0: Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. So today is the Sunday before Christmas. Who is excited about Christmas this year? (laughs) Who? Uh, contrary to public opinion, would say that 2020 has actually been your greatest year to date. Man, listen to that shout. Oh, uh, Libby's raising that engaged hand up in the air. (laughs) I love it. That's precious. It got real good at the end, didn't it, Libby? (laughs) So excited for him. So happy. I got my Joy shirt on today. It's a little tighter than it was when I bought it, but don't judge. (laughs) (laughs) This week, we got to go to Gatlinburg uh, for the family as a spectacular. I'm originally a Tennessean. That's why I I joke a lot and rarely take things very seriously because I was raised in Tennessee. And so that's how we are. But it was a great time, super cold, super special though, and it just really set in my heart just the motion of everything going on. And so in Tennessee, I'm studying, I'm reading and everything like that, and I was like, what do you want me to even talk about today, God? And, and ultimately, I just came to the story of Jesus' birth. So today, the title of my message is Emmanuel, God with us. Amen? So if you've got your Bibles, I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read both of the stories of Jesus' birth to set what I'm going to be speaking about today. So it's quite a lot of word. Follow along. Hopefully you got your Bibles. I'm in the NLT, the birth of Jesus the Messiah. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Who in here has the Holy Spirit? Give a little Holy Ghost shout, you know what I'm saying? Got to love Pentecostal songs, right? I feel a Holy Ghost shout coming on. It's time to let go, get into the flow. I feel a Holy Ghost shout coming on. Hey! I love it, I love it. Up in Tennessee, there's a lot of the old school Pentecostals still that wear denim skirts and you know, everywhere, and so you run into them everywhere. They're such sweet people, and you just know all you got to do is go whirl around them, and they'll be like, <laughs> I mean, it's like a trigger to them, you know, whirl, Well Jesus is coming back in. <laughs> Oh, so fun. All right. Love the Holy Ghost. You got the Holy Ghost. Give him one more shout. The Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw a star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time that the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. Right. (laughs) After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was, and when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Turning now to Luke chapter 2. Also reading the birth of Christ. Beginning on verse 1, Luke 2, 1. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken... When Quirinius Quirinius was governor of Syria, all returned to their own ancestral homes to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary to whom he was engaged who was now expecting a child. And while they were there and the, the time came for her baby to be born, she gave birth to her firstborn son, "'Wrapped him in snuggly strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. "'That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. "'Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. "'They were terrified.' Everyone, what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child and all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flock, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel told them. That is the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah that we celebrate every year around Christmas. A couple of disappointing takeaways. The wise men did not show up the night Jesus was born. So your nativity set is a lie, baby. (laughs) There's not proof there was three wise men. The Bible simply says some wise men. Could have been two, could have been three, could have been four, could have been 50. Who knows how many wise men. They did not all bring one chest as historically we've seen three little chests. Given to Jesus, they could have literally bestowed 50 boxes, 10 boxes. Who knows? Scripturally, we know that the wise men actually showed up sometime after Jesus was born. They did not find him in a manger. They found him in a house. And by the timeline we're given in the Bible, it could have been up to two years from the time Jesus was born that they actually arrived at the house Jesus was and bestowed those gifts to Mary and Joseph. And henceforth, the, the angel of the Lord warned Joseph to leave at that time. And so it's incredible, but the night Jesus was born, he was born in Bethlehem. There was not an inn, there was no hotel, there was not a house that they were going to, they didn't have a lot of money, so there they were in a manger or a stable with a bunch of animals, and Jesus was born. It's so beautiful to think that the King of kings and the Lord of lords had the lowest of births. And it shows you that no matter how low something looks in the eyes of man, it is precious to God and it holds within it a supernatural power to be life-changing. And so incredible what we found out when we went to Bethlehem, my wife and I went, and um, the shepherds were there in the fields herding sheep, as they had always done, and they were told by an angel of the Lord to go because tonight the Messiah is born. And they gave them a prophetic sign. You will know him by this sign, that this baby will be wrapped or swaddled in swaddling cloths. And it's supernatural or or incredible for them because given the history of Israel, that shepherds tended the sheep. And every time a lamb was born that was a beautiful lamb, that's where swaddling came from. They would take a baby lamb and they would swaddle it so that that lamb could not cut itself with its hoofs because a, a lamb without spot or blemish was a high price, price sacrificial lamb. And so they were the ones that knew what swaddling meant. It meant that this thing is destined for sacrifice, that this thing is of great value. And so when they heard this from an angel, they traveled and found Jesus lying there with a bunch of animals, swaddled like a sacrificial lamb, and they knew instantly this is the Messiah, the one prophesied, who will give his life to take away the sins of the world. He is the last lamb of God. And the final one, supernatural event. Angels showed up. The glory of God was there. They walked into that place, and here is Mary Literally taking, I've read this story and heard it as a kid, but I never really thought of the shame, the shame that this woman was going to have to face for her life, that to even say yes to what God wanted her to say yes to meant that she could be alienated from her household forever. She would be killed, my wife says. Thank you. And yet she said yes. It wasn't like God said, here, take this, and on top of that, I'll provide everything and all of these things to you. He just gave her the word, a word that would cost her much, and she said yes. And today, we celebrate the fact that Jesus was born because God found a willing person on this earth to face shame, to face rejection, to take their life and put it in the hands of the Lord and say, I trust you. At the mention of a word of what you've called me to do, I say yes And come what may, I will be obedient to what you have for me. That is why today, 2,000 years later, we know the name of Jesus. We know his power. We know his grace. We know his freedom. We know his love because he is real. He is alive. He is with us, present now. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Come on, somebody. So excited. In the Old Testament, you know, basically God would choose men and women From time to time amongst a great crowd of people of all different walks of life, of all different statures, of all different colors and and tribes and creeds, God would choose a person and he would bestow upon them a supernatural gift to do one specific task. When Jesus came, everything was rewritten. And that is that now this generation and every generation since Jesus Christ has been given the greatest gift of all, that we get to choose him. That we can say, I choose you, Jesus. I choose your ways above my ways, your word above any word, your spirit above all things. I will give you my life. And in us choosing him, he chooses us back to be a part of the kingdom of heaven and to do supernatural things. Amen? Amen. Never count it as normal or commonplace, the gift that was given to us through Jesus Christ. That you're welcomed into a royal family, a royal priesthood because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. As I read that this week, I thought about something. Number one, just the birth of Christ alone, the supernatural thing, displays certain things regarding God. First, it shows how well God can plan something. Come on. This entire year, I've seen one, two, three, four. And at the exact time I'm talking about the plan of God, it is one, two, three, four. It's wild. And so... God plans things that explicit details. Just the prophetic words for Jesus to fulfill were basically impossible or were impossible, not basically, entirely impossible to be fulfilled short of divine providence. Jesus was said that he would come from Egypt from one prophet. He was said that he would come from Bethlehem from another prophet. And another prophet said he'll be a Nazarite, which means he come from Nazareth. How can one person come from three places and yet Jesus went, check, check, check that's the planning power of our God, that literally he can look through the chasm of time and know everything and every aspect and every part and plan it to meticulous detail so that supernatural things seem like they just happen. It's like one great story I remember that I've told several times, but I was listening to a preacher, Robert Morris in in, in Texas, and he has this testimony when he's a traveling minister and he needed a financial breakthrough. He had This specific need. And I think in the story he tells you it was like something pretty big, like $5,249.13 or something. He needed from the Lord for bills, for payroll, for whatever. And so he wrote down the number to the penny of what he needed and went to the Lord in prayer and asked the Lord, God, I need this money to come in, please, Father. In Jesus' name. Then he got up and he went to his mailbox, his post office box for the ministry opened it there was a letter inside he opened it there was a check he didn't read the letter he just looked at the check how many people open cards and the first thing you do is check the money to see if you really even want to read the paragraph they wrote a dollar I don't know that I want to read what you think about me no I'm I'm totally teasing so he didn't read the letter. He just looked at the check, and it was $5,249.13 to the penny. And, of course, at that moment, he's like, I thank you, God. I prayed. You heard me. You came through at the midnight hour, and the Lord speaks to his spirit. Read the letter. So he reads the letter. And in the letter, the woman says, you were at our church nearly two years ago. And I've been, the Lord told me to give you this gift. I don't know what this amount means. I don't know why, but it has taken me up till now to raise this amount of money to give to you. And with great joy do I send this specific amount to you. He put the letter down and the Lord rebuked him and said, son, before you even knew you had a need, I already planned your provision. That's the God that you serve. Somebody shout amen. Hey. It's like we're living in in a tense moment right now as a nation where so many people are trying to get The prophetic word, like squeezed out of the udders of heaven. (laughs) Give me a word. Give me a word. (laughs) Trying to figure out for themselves, for peace of mind, what is going to happen. I'll tell you what's going to happen. The plan of God will prevail. You can rest. You can sleep. You can rejoice, you can shout, you can know that my God is Emmanuel, God that is with us. He can plan better than anybody can plan. No matter what the nations of the world scheme, they come to nothing in the eyes and the plan of our Father above. Somebody shout amen. Amen. You serve a God that is victorious every time. The Bible says concerning the plans of God, Psalm, or as, as some people like to call it, the book of Psalms. <laughs> never, never gets old. <laughs> as the palmist once said. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> The steps of the God-pursuing ones. Who's the God-pursuing ones? Make some noise if you're a God-pursuing one up in here. Hallelujah! Who are you following? You're following Jesus, not a movement, not a party, not a country, not a, not a charismatic leader. You're following Jesus Christ, the resurrected King of Kings. The steps of the God-pursuing ones, that's you, go ahead and go, me? me, follow firmly in the footsteps of the Lord, and he delights in every step they take to follow him. If they stumble badly, who in has ever stumbled? Also, go ahead and take that finger, point at yourself. We all mess up. We all screw it up. We all let our emotions pull us this way. Some sidewalk prophet pull us that way. Some televangelist pull us that way. Some news article pull us that way. We go like this. So we're going to mess up. But you know what? God knew you were going to mess up, and he knew when you would mess up, and he already planned how that mess up would turn around for good as long as you keep falling. If they stumble badly, they will survive. Yes, they will. For the Lord lifts them up with his hands. Watch this. I once was young, but now I'm old. That's not me this is the prophet. I once was young, but now I'm teetering on middle age. And not once, come on, not once, say that with me, say not once, not even on a rare fringe, not one in a billion, not one in a million, not once has he ever found a child of God forsaken or their seed begging for bread because our God is faithful all the time. Man, I feel the fire of God in this place right now. Jesus, not once have I found a lover of God forsaken by him, nor have any of their children gone hungry. Instead, I found that the godly ones to be generous ones who give freely to others and their children are blessed and become a blessing. Somebody grab that right there and say, that's true. That's my life. You don't like it. That's his plan. I'm blessed. I'm favored. Favor ain't fair, but it sure is good when you're the one getting it. Can I get an amen? I love this church. You guys are awesome. You're like an oasis of life. Springing up with joy and expectation. The birth of Christ shows the absolute, uncomparable ability of God to plan better than anything. No one can plan like our God. No one knows what our God knows. No one can write the end before he begins like our God. That's what Alpha and Omega means, the one who wrote the end before he even began. He knows where it's all going. He's got it all figured out. And your life is literally written in the books of heaven. There is a heavenly plan for your life. And it is not one of being forsaken. Amen. It is not one of being left out. Yeah. It is not one of being cast aside. It is one of goodness. Yeah. When God says that everything will work out good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose, he means it. Yeah. And he has the power to back it up. Before I get any further, Miss Eddie told me to tell everybody there are still six gifts out from our pregnancy center tree. We need them in ASAP because we give them away Wednesday. Do not let a kid come in here Wednesday and feel like they were rejected from God. And I mean that, really. Think about it. If the kid comes in here and hundreds of kids get a present and they were forgotten about, that would be harsh, which we will not let that happen. But if you took an ornament, make sure you bring it. And the third point about the birth of Christ, I'm how God plans. And God plans excruciating details supernaturally. And one, you can rest in that because, as I said, people try and figure out for God the way forward. But you're always seeing it through a veil of what you've experienced in life. And God is greater than your experiences. Yeah. Amen. Amen. God, God sometimes does things exactly like when when, when Lazarus was sick. He could have went and he could have just touched Lazarus and he would have been healed and everybody would rejoice and he didn't die. But he intentionally waited. He waited until he died to show people, stop telling me the timeline of God and stop telling me what I have to do when I have to do it because I will get the glory and I will come through and I'm faithful every time. And there's nothing that this world can do that I don't have the power to overcome. Yeah. Come on, somebody. It's like I remember years ago. I mean, talk about the planning of God. I just want, if I, hopefully I can lay this out quickly because it's kind of a long story. Years ago, I'm in South Africa. Which I'm not a South African. I'm an American. And so in, in, in South Africa, my accent's actually cool. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. So I'm walking around. People would just listen to me because of my accent. It was awesome. In America, my accent, people were like, mm, don't listen to him. He doesn't sound like he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> You come from Tennessee, don't you? Ding 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 ding. Lord help me. So this guy shows up, rough around the edges. Real looks like he's lived a hard life. Tattoos, face beaten up. Real like not a guy that you would want to get in a fight with cuz you could tell this guy has fought unfairly <laughs> multiple times in his life. And he comes to me. He's like, I want to go soul winning. He comes soul winning with me. And he's telling me as we're soul winning, he's like, I, I'm a, I was a sailor, lived, lived on the seas, real rough life. He said, man, I was, it was just partying, drinking, drugs, addiction, everything in my life. And he said, the other day I was walking down the street. And I was drunk, and I knock on a door, and this lady opens the door and starts telling me about Jesus, starts telling me about who he is. She starts telling me this story about, um, oh wait, so th- th- this person tells him the story about a man that was once a sailor that got radically saved. His name was Drummond Tom, uh, Robin Tom Rogers. Robert, Robert Tom, and he wrote a book called The New Wine is Better. In the book, he writes his testimony about how he was a drunken sailor stumbling down the street, knocked on a door, thinking it was one other door. The lady leads him to the Lord. He met Jesus, and his life was forever changed. He became a minister of the gospel in that moment. Supernatural intervention. So this guy says, I'm stumbling down the street. I knock on the road. This lady's telling me the testimony of this sailor that got saved and gives me the book. As I open the book and I begin to read the book, the name of the woman that had led Robert Tom to the Lord was my grandmother. So here's a drunken sailor walking down the street, sharing almost a identical story, and this is the redemption of the God that you serve, that God will never forget the person that serves him, and if it takes generations to repay, God is faithful to see that come back fruition. So he's reading this book on the streets. It strikes him sober. He instantly goes sober. He's shaking in his boots and says, I got to serve the Lord. That's how he comes to church. That's how I meet him. That's why he says, I need to become a soul winner. I read the book. He went into the ministry. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't know how to, you know, and he's cussing. He's like smoking. He's a rough dude. Yeah. So I take him out. He can't, he can't, he can't do it. He's terrified. He's terrified to do it. Finally take him back, get a devil cast out of him. He totally gets set free. Today he's in the ministry, on fire for the Lord, still serving God. Because if God's going to plan something, you don't have to help him. Stop trying to help the Lord. We all do. It's like every prophet. Like I said, they try and squeeze from the udders of God some milky word. And God's like, bro, you, you back there. I've already seen to the end. The level at which I've, I've written this story is so intense you can't even begin to grasp. That's one story in the midst of billions that happens daily because that's the God you serve. Yeah. Think about every supernatural event, every godly timing moment of your life when you stood and knew you stood at an exact moment God wanted you there. How did you get there? Through inevitable planning of God where he didn't miss a detail. Take us pastoring here. We were on the road traveling in the ministry, just tearing it up for Jesus all across the nation. And both of us feel the Lord leading us where we're going to become pastors. So we feel this tug of the Spirit. We begin to talk about it. So then a church comes open in Alaska. Do you know Alaska? I could be in Alaska right now. And People are laughing because you know how much I love the heat. I'm like, I love the heat. I could be in Alaska. That ain't the Lord, let me tell you. At the time, though, it was, it was awesome. It was like such an opportunity. We felt this is good. This is a great opportunity. Let me tell you, great opportunities are not always something that God opens to you. Sometimes the thing that you would cast aside is the exact place God is wanting you to step into so that you see the supernatural handiwork of God. And I'll get to why that matters. And so ultimately, we feel like this might be it. And so then I go, and this prophet speaks to me, and he says, this is the word of the Lord for you. He says, you keep saying you're helping the river. You're not helping the river. You are the river. I repeat, you are the river. You're not the mountain. You're not the plain. You're not the desert. You're the the river. And so I walk away, and people are like, what does that mean? And I look at my wife. I'm like, man, that church is in the mountains. Dang it. (laughs) Dang it. Another church gets offered to us in the mountains of Tennessee. I could be back home in my stomping ground. But no, it's in the mountains. And the way this place was even called the river while we're here is this was the year of 2014 this is happening. But in the year of 2007, before my wife and I had even answered the call of God in the full-time ministry, there was a church operating in Claremont named Heart House Ministries. And the Lord struck the senior pastor while he was showering and said, you will change the name of the church to the river. He said, why? He said, you will change the name of the church to the river. He gets out of the shower, goes before his wife. His wife looks at him with tears in her eyes and said, the Lord spoke to me that we're supposed to change the name of the church to the river. The only reason really that I can see that happen is that all the years later, when I'm a traveling minister, I reach out to the pastors of this church because it's called the river and I come from the river, so I assume that they know each other. They didn't know each other. They were not in relationship. But if that simple... Act of obedience had not happened. I would not be here and you would not be here today. Look at the providence of the God that we serve. That he can plant to meticulous detail. The craziest, most abstract thing can come together like a well-oiled machine. If you would just follow the Lord. So you say, so what do we got to do as believers? Every day you wake up. You take this word. You read it and let that give peace in your heart. And you follow everything God tells you to do today. You don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow is taken care of just as today is taken care of just as all of your yesterdays were taken care of. You don't have to figure this whole thing out. It's a lot of uncertainty, but there is one thing certain, that what God has planned shall come to pass. And you're in that family. If you believe it, shout amen. Thank you, God. The steps of the God-pursuing ones follow firmly in the footsteps of the Lord. Hallelujah. God plans in great detail. And beyond that, he has the power, once he makes a plan, to back that plan up. Come on. Anybody ever and here with somebody that makes a plan but doesn't have the power to back the plan up? Everything comes unraveled? It's called the United States government. (laughs) I dreamed a dream and days gone by. I don't know where this stuff comes from. <laughs> God has the power to back up every, everything He plans. If He's got to raise the dead, if He's got to make a blizzard hit, if He's got to do whatever He's got to do, God has the power to make it happen. If He plans it, it'll come to pass. Think about everything with Mary. She's a virgin. He just that doesn't matter. But beyond that, I think also the beauty of what God did, and I shared this in the first service. Why do you think we're called not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together? Because we're all walking out our own call of God. Hopefully, if you're not today, you need to give your heart to the Lord and say yes to him from this day forward. And you will find out that one year of serving God is better than 50 years of great planning on your own. He's awesome serving God. It's an exciting life. Whether you have a lot or you have a little, it's still exciting when you're serving the Lord. And he will lead you into blessings. And so when when Mary said yes to the Lord, think about the intense decision that she said yes to. She knows probably Joseph will not marry her. Her family, as my wife said, she's going to have to flee for her life or she will be killed according to Jewish law. But the first thing God says after she says yes is then gives her this instruction. Your cousin Elizabeth is also miraculously pregnant right now with a, a voice of one that will cry out in the wilderness to usher in the coming of the Messiah, the one that you carry in your womb. So she went and visited Elizabeth. And here you say yes to God, and it looks like it's going to cost you everything. But God sends her on a journey to Elizabeth, who's also standing in a powerful supernatural moment. And the first words out of Elizabeth's mouth is rejoicing, saying, Who am I that the mother of the Savior of the world would come and visit me? Look at the beauty of God because God knew this is a 15 year old girl about to face the world and every single slander that'll come her way I will prop her up with an encouragement before she ever steps out the gates to the hell And that is the God that you serve that when you need encouragement church Why do I come to church because when you show up and you look someone in the eye and you encourage them by the Lord You might have just totally diverted the plan of hell and placed them back firmly on the strategy of heaven You never underestimate God. You say, why do I keep thinking about that person? Because God is knitting your destiny with their destiny, and it matters right now. That's the God we serve. He has power. He will influence people. He will guide you you in the crowds. He will encourage you along the way, and he will stand with you, and he will never forsake you. God has the power to back up everything that he ever asked anybody to do, and he will never lead you where he can't also take care of you. Our God is supernatural. Think about everything for Jesus to be born. The power that is the planning, as I said, for every, every aspect for him to show up in that manger for that moment at that exact time, that's the God we serve. He has power. In fact, the Bible says that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works within us. So that means that those times that you're led by the Spirit of God into your prayer closet and you've opened your mouth up, led by God, and you've uttered out those things like a river coming from your spirit that seems so abstract, so impossible, and so totally never going to happen, that God heard that he planted it there. And you just need to keep watering that seed because it shall come to pass because God has the power to back up every word that is declared in faith. If you believe it, give a great amen. amen. Come on, somebody. It's absolutely impossible, but we serve a God that specializes in doing the impossible. Come on, somebody. It's like one man of God said, it's difficult, it's impossible, but it's doable. Come on, look at your neighbor say, it's difficult, it's impossible, but it's doable. Because if God says it's going to get done, baby, roll up your sleeves, tighten your belt loops, pull your britches up, put on your best tie, Step out the door, take a deep breath, and realize that today is a day like any other day where the supernatural things of God are happening all around you. See, this generation is fascinated with fantasy, and we look for God's supernatural things in spectacular moments and miss the fact that supernatural moments are sometimes seem like the most natural of things if you're walking in obedience to God. That's the God we serve. He's powerful. Jesus, he's mighty. He's mighty. So, like the, the son of Robert Tom Rogers, Drummond Tom, was eating a meal one time with a friend of mine, and he said to my friend, tonight we're going out to the best steakhouse because God is going to pay for it. And my friend thought that that meant his ministry was going to pay for it. Because <laughs> people always think in institutions of men, and we don't think anything greater. So he says, okay, so they go to the steakhouse and they order the serpent turf. You know the, the the unspoken law. When someone takes you out, you wait till they order to find out what level you order at. I'm doing the tomahawk ribeye. I'm doing the same thing, brother. If they take you out to a fine steakhouse and order chicken, stick with the chicken and just know the Lord has another deliverer in mind for you. oh come on that's funny so he, he orders the surf and turf too comes time for dessert he's full you want dessert oh yeah we want dessert so he's like yeah i want dessert let's do it it's on jesus tonight now this will bowl some people's theology away because they think that god doesn't care about giving you a steak let me tell you something the provision of god is not just your needs That God will do some things that seem obnoxiously, ridiculously big. Because that's who he is. Think about Joseph in the coat. Why did he do that? To label Joseph so that people would hate him so much from the blessing that they would kick him out and start the whole plan of God for his life. You can throw me in a pit, but one day you're going to stand before me just as the dream of the Lord gave me. And the whole nation will be blessed because of that. Think about God. Man, that's awesome. You say, everybody wants to be Joseph at that moment, but nobody wanted to be Joseph in the pit. <laughs> yes, he was still Joseph, though. So they ordered the meal, and then the bill comes, and they sit at the table. So my friend said, he's like, you know, waiting for Drummond to take the bill. He's like, you said, you said it's on Jesus. <laughs> take the bill. And then he's thinking in his mind, oh, great, I'm going to have to pay for all of this. I knew I should order the chicken. So he's about to lean forward to take the bill, and this person runs up from across the restaurant and grabs it. Says, I was eating my meal. I don't even know why I came here tonight, but the Lord said to come here and eat, and that he would tell me what to do. And I looked across the room, and I saw you guys, and the Lord said, whatever it takes, make sure that they don't pay for anything that they eat tonight. She said, this bill is on Jesus. And she walked away. Somebody give God a great shout of praise. You say the Lord will give me a fine steak dinner? Absolutely. The Lord will do whatever He wants to do. What'd you say? We're going to, burn. We're going to burns. How many people are suddenly struck with a hunger for a ribeye? It feels godly right now. You know what I'm saying? This is Christmas week. This is, this is the God that I serve, babe. There, there's never been a better time than now for the tomahawk steak. Shura ba 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 ba, tomahawk. Yes. <laughs> nah, I don't know. Just give them a high moment, baby. My wife's like, you need to take them through the fact that for years they were trained to believe the Lord. Now nah, No, forget all that. We're talking about the goodness of God right now. <laughs> I'll give you another one. A friend of mine, I'm eating dinner with him, lunch with him. Went to Bible school with him great man of God, absolutely incredible man of God. He is the president or was the president of the First Nations people in Canada and the grand chief of all the creed. Lawyer, successful man, but God told him to go to Bible school. When he came to Bible school, he lost all of his income, all of his money. He's got a family of like six. They're living in a van down by the river. (laughs) You gotta take these moments when they come don't judge me you just didn't have the opportunity living in a van down by the river and the lord speaks to my friend and listen he was a great man gave all he was given all his money blessing people gave all his money away because he really, not because it was like, I have to do it. He just wanted to bless people. So he goes on this crazy giving streak and he just gives everything away. He said, I emptied every bit of our money because he said, I knew to complete Bible school, I needed a miracle to take care of my family and I didn't have what it took in my own means. So I just said, I'm going to give everything away to just go ahead and make it come quicker. (laughs) So he gives everything away. He said, I even had a credit card. I maxed the credit card out because he said, my salvation doesn't come from Visa. So he gave everything. Keep this in mind. Now, I'm not telling you to do this. I'm just telling you the story about the beauty of of the God that we serve. And the Lord says, I want you to take the minister out for a steak dinner. So he didn't even question it. He said, absolutely. So he takes the minister. He says, I'm going to bless my family. He's going to bless your family. We're going for steak. So they go out to a nice steak restaurant. And his family is like six people and the minister brought his family, and they're all eating, and he's chewing the steak, and it tastes great, and then suddenly the thought hits him. Wait a second. I don't have any money. (laughs) And he said, I chewed so slow on that steak, (laughs) dragging out the meal, thinking to himself, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I cannot believe I invited this minister. I can't say I forgot my wallet. I can't do anything like that, and he's about to cry to the Lord. He's He's like breaking down like God. I don't want to shame this man I got. I don't want to shame my family. I'm so sorry. I really felt to do this, and I miss you or or something. And everybody gets up to leave. Now, at a steak dinner, when you take 10 people to a nice steak restaurant, you know the bill is not a small bill. And so the bill comes, and his wife is getting up, and his wife didn't know he would given everything away. So she just thinks it's all fine. She's putting on her coat. Honey, you coming? He's like, "You go ahead. I'll catch up with you. In six to seven hours after I washed the dishes, thank (laughs) you. And he looks at the bill, and the same story is he watches his wife go out the door, and he says to the Lord, I'm sorry, I must have missed you. He saw a lady come in, frantically search the restaurant, locked eyes with him, and literally bolted straight across the restaurant, straight to him, leaned down, grabbed the bill, and said, I was driving down the interstate, and the Spirit of God arrested me and said, you go back there. You'll know the man when you walk in the restaurant but he's walking in the footsteps that I have told him to walk in, and you will take care of that bill for him today. She said, this is taken care of by the Lord. I mean, it's not even about a steak at that point. Do you get that? It Forget this could have been a Chick-fil-A meal. When you can't pay for it, you can't pay for it. And when God arrests a person driving down the road and says, you're going to walk in there and you're going to take care of that, That's the God that we serve. Somebody shout amen. Listen. Everybody involved in that. This is how you recognize the Lord. Everybody involved, from the pastor that ate the meal, to the family that ate the meal, to the man that felt led to do it, to the woman that got to pay for it in that divine providence. Everybody was blessed in that moment. Because when God orchestrates something, every party walks away blessed by heaven. Somebody say amen. Amen. When God plans it, he has the power to back up his words. They are not empty words that came from a man. They are not empty words of a politician or party angling for position. They are not a catchy slogan. They are the words of the Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. Every word that he spoke is still creating today. He said, let there be light, and it's still going today because that's who you serve. Our God has power. Look at your neighbor and say, he has power. And not just a little bit. Psalms 147, 4 and 5 says, He sets the stars in place, calling them all by their names. How great is our God. There is absolutely nothing His power cannot accomplish. And He has infinite understanding of everything. Whoo! Jesus is good. Man, I got one more for you that blesses me. So, Oral Roberts is doing a tent crusade in New York City, New York area, not New York City, but upstate New York area. And one night in the crusade, the Spirit of God comes upon him and he calls a woman out in the crowd that is obviously homeless. You can tell by what she's wearing. She's got her bag, got her little shopping cart, obviously homeless. And the Lord speaks through Oral Roberts. And these are the words that God has him basically speak, paraphrase, I don't remember exactly but you can get the gist of it. That he doesn't look at her and says, the Lord is going to do something. He looks at her and says, you woman are a woman of great stature and bless blessing, that you have great wealth, that you have houses, that you have possessions. And the whole crowd thinks this guy has lost his mind. She's obviously homeless. So it literally, a newspaper takes a picture of it. Or Roberts prophesies to a homeless woman, she has great wealth. What the news, newspaper journalist didn't know was for years, a man that was an overseer of a trust fund of great millions of dollars in many homes had been looking tirelessly for this woman, the sole heir of that trust fund. And written up on the front page of the paper, he sees the picture, matches the picture, goes there, finds the homeless woman, and has her sign on the dot all the great wealth that she has. You can put that in your pipe and smoke it. Once again, it doesn't even mean anything about the wealth. What means something is that if God orchestrates it, plans it, it is going to happen. People can mock you. People can make fun of you. People can think this is never going to happen. But it is going to rain. There is going to come a flood. There is going to come redemption. And God will be God every single time. Jesus Psalm 20 verse 7, some find their strength in weapons and wisdom, and then King James says, in horses and chariots. But my miracle deliverance can never be won by men. Our boast is in the Lord our God who makes us strong and gives us victory. Let me tell you something, you may be in this moment right now needing the Lord to do something in your life. I want you to take a deep breath and realize God's already planned your salvation, and it'll work out good. Every time, it'll work out good. And your worrying does not help God. So don't even bother. me say amen. Amen. All of this. Emmanuel, God with us. It's incredible to think. This wasn't just like a night. This wasn't just like God gave birth. That God literally chose this divine moment to make everything come to pass. And the beauty of it, that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, was chosen to be born where the Bible implicitly tells us that Joseph and Mary were poor. So it makes mention of the fact that God chose the very family to bring the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords into this earth as a poor family. He could have been born in every, he could have been born in every royal family, whatever. And yet God says, no. That's why the Bible says Jesus, who was very rich, became very poor so that you might be rich. The most humblest of births to show us The beauty that not only does God plan, not only does he have power, but he provides. He is the provider of everything that you need in this life. You don't need anything other than a word from God, and it will be okay. Amen? you believe it? Say amen. Think about the night Jesus was born. Angels were there. Shepherds witnessed it. Then they left. Obviously, Joseph and Mary are stuck there. They might not even have the funds to travel back home. Whatever they're doing there, they're just waiting it out in Bethlehem. And then in comes some wise men that had been following that star for upwards of maybe two years to step into that moment at the exact time that Herod was going to kill Jesus and they had to flee to Egypt. How would this poor family even live in Egypt without somebody sustaining them? And God said, don't worry about it, Joseph the very day i give you the next step i'll also give you the provision to make that step come to pass that's the god you serve as i said it wasn't just three wise men it could have been 50 wise men however many it is i rejoice in the fact that it shows the goodness of god that that's who he is that if it takes a supernatural miracle god will get it done but beyond that once again it has been planned Did you know that even what they brought before Jesus was prophesied by Isaiah? Many years before Jesus was born, Isaiah said in chapter 60, verse 6, vast caravans of camels will converge on you. The camels of Midian and Ephah and the people of Sheba will bring gold and frankincense and come worshiping the Lord. So they walked in prophetic words to bestow those gifts, not knowing Jesus had to flee for his life, not knowing the full everything that was happening, but just walking in the prophetic of what God had purposed, for them to walk into. God is a provider. That's right. Every time, God is a provider. Amen. Let me tell you a supernatural story that happened to us. Years ago, we went into the ministry. We launched out. The gift of faith was on me. I had no fear, no doubt. God will take care of me. I didn't have a plan, I didn't need a plan. I just was going. I didn't even have a message to preach, believe it or not. I said, yes, I'm going. I put six weeks of revival and then said to my wife, I should probably write a sermon. And the first time I ever preached, I had written my sermon. It was so cute. It was written in paragraph form, three pages long. I got up and read all three pages. It was like 10 minutes. And I looked up, and people were just blinking at me like, what's next? And I was like, then the Lord kicked in. Amen. Amen. Where you fail to plan, he does not fail. And so we're traveling on the road. We're living off the money that we have in our savings account. Some weeks we're doing okay in offerings, others not so much. And we wind up going to a church in New Albany, Indiana that was a homeless church. It was about 15 people in a homeless church. The offering was like $20. Our hotel room was $115 a night. And three days goes by We're there all week losing money. And I'm eating dirt cheap food from Waffle House, which I still like Waffle House. <laughs> Ain't knocking the awful, you know what I'm saying? So, but we, I bought one burrito and I would chop it up into five pieces to feed the whole family. I'll never forget day three, my child cries and says, I'm still hungry. And I gave her my food and I snapped on her because I was hungry. I was stressed. And I was like, don't you know that there's not just food that grows on trees and all this stupid, you know, the stupid stuff you say. Then people are like, food does grow on trees. It's called an apple tree, a peach tree, a pear tree. You know, I can keep going. Shut up. I don't need your wisdom right now. And I walk out in the car and I begin to cry. And I said to the Lord, I said, it's just not right, God. Like, I'm serving you. And you know I have a family. I can't live like this. You have to provide. And as I'm crying, the revelation hits me. Duh, he already knows this. This is not knowledge to God like, oh, you're married? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You have three kids? I would have picked someone else. Single people are far easier to take care of. Why don't you go back to what you were doing? My bad. Sign Jesus. The revelation hits me. God, God knew I have a wife. He, he's not surprised that kids continue to eat. He knows they don't understand fasting. <laughs> you know, you're two. It's time you learn about fasting. We're <laughs> going a week. You stop whining. So this revelation, it's like the weight of it lifts off of me. And I realize it doesn't matter I'm in a homeless church. It doesn't matter, I don't know. I was like, God is a good God. He's a provider. So I pulled out my phone and I Googled best breakfast in New Albany. And this restaurant came up called Toast, super trendy. <laughs> Drove on down to Toast. I walked in there and said, I want one of basically everything. I mean, they had omelets, they had pancakes. I was like, I want that pancake, I want that omelet, I want that, hour. I'm like, Get, bring it all. <laughs> and it's like, obviously I had a credit card, and that's all I had, but I didn't, <laughs> didn't have a big limit. But I bought it and then went and got a a nice latte because I'd been drinking drip coffee. No child of God should have to drink drip coffee. Where's all my coffee connoisseurs that can say amen? I mean, our God is better than that. You don't get that drip coffee that sat there since yesterday that they reheated. And that's not the God that you serve. He's not the God of leftovers. His mercies are new each morning. When was this coffee made? Today. That's the Lord. Pour away. I come back, we eat. We can't even eat it all. Some people might even be offended by what I'm saying right now, but we can't eat it all. Now, I don't have a miracle breakthrough. All I did was act in faith because I realized not that I'm obnoxious, not that I think I'm better than other people, but that the whole limiting I was placing on myself was my problem, not my God's problem. I walk in the service that night, 15 homeless people, and I'm standing there listening to the worship, and a guy walks in, and he grabs my my arm, and I turn, and he says, you don't know me. I live two hours from here. The Lord told me that you'd be preaching in this church tonight, and he told me to come and give you this, and he takes out a wad of cash, And he puts it in my hands, and he says, I have to turn around and drive back to to, to get back home. But I want to tell you that the Lord's with you, and everything's going to be okay. I'm praying for you. You keep going. And he turned and walked out. Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. He's not a respecter of persons. It's not that he said Caleb has a biblical name and curly hair. So let me bless him. It was all God's looking for is someone that has a childlike faith response to heaven to say, yes. That's why God found the 15-year-old girl, because every 30-year-old woman was like, nah-how you providing. If you like it, then you need to put a ring on it. God's like, let me find a kid, one of faith, one that doesn't need the details, but says yes to the one that matters the most. Will you say yes? Hallelujah. Jesus. Come on, somebody. God's the provider. He doesn't lead you somewhere to say good luck. He leads you somewhere so that when you reach and you don't have, God says, I've already got it planned. That's the God that we serve. This word is for some people in here today. You say, man, what's this? what's the end of this year going to look like and what's 2021 going to look like? Better than 2020? Even if 2020 was your best year, God is a God that is ever increasing, ever increasing in love, ever increasing in power, ever increasing in grace. He never stops. He has no limits and no ends. The birth of Christ shows us the supernatural ability of God to provide for absolutely everything that provision is required for. He will never leave you. You say, man, I'm hungry. Well, he took Elijah and gave him one meal, and he ran 40 days with a full stomach from one meal. Some people say, well, I know what that is. That is Waffle House. I eat that. That's heavy. Three days later, I come out of my coma. I start moving. No, that's the God that we serve. So rest easy. And know this, you don't have to know how God will do it. One time the Lord said, people get so fixed up on the how, the when, and the where. And the only thing that matters is the who. Who do you serve? Who do you love? Who called you? Whose hand is on you? Whose blood redeemed you? Whose name has been given to you? His name is Jesus Christ. You can trust him. Even if everybody in the world lined up to tell you why you can't trust him, you can still trust him because he will prove every one of them wrong. Because he is faithful. Not once, not occasionally, not most of the time, but literally all the time. He does not change. Our God provides. Gold for wealth. These are prophetic gifts. Frankincense as perfume and myrrh for the anointing to show forth the prophetic unction of who Christ was, as well as the provision necessary. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.